right. Well, welcome everyone uh, to this uh, first English episode of Café con Football with Friends. Uh, this is a podcast that originated from uh, two things. The first one was a beautiful phrase that was made by one of my favorite coaches, whose name is Marcelo Bielsa. He coaches Leeds United, and after the promotion, which Leeds had to do without fans in the stands due to the situation that we're all aware of, uh, and if you're hearing this podcast 10 years later, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, uh, so it's not fun. But he said, fans give everything for their club. They give their whole hearts only to get emotions back. And fans are the greatest thing that football has. And I believe that firmly. Thankfully, I have great friends that are great football fans. And I miss them. And the fact that I missed them so much, gave me the idea to pursue this, and uh, I just couldn't think of anyone better to be my first English guest than my man, Ben Metters. How are you, Ben? Doing great, Yaddy. Dude, it's just so good to talk to you. I know, man. It's It's been long due, I think. Oh, for sure. It's been way too long. <laughs> I bet. So I always start asking this uh, to my guests. Um, which, of course, you being the first one in English, so it's the first time I'll ask this to somebody in English. But hey, tell me a little bit about you, uh, where you're at right now, and then the biggest question of the night what team or teams are you a fan of? All right, well, uh, I'm, I'm hanging out here in Oklahoma City, um, where we both went to school, um, but I stuck around here because, uh, well, there was this cute girl. Uh, who was still at OC when uh, when we graduated? I stuck around, waited for her to graduate, and married her up, and then we've been uh, just teaching, just hanging out. She's teaching orchestra, I'm teaching history, and just kind of trying to keep it real out here, having a good time. Um, my favorite team is the Portland Timbers, uh, though I also read a little bit. Well, the women's team, the Portland Thorns, uh, they actually. Had a great 3-0 win today. I was watching that. Um, and then past that, uh, I, I dabble a little bit in rooting for Sunderland. Skybet League One, you know, it's uh, that's a rough existence. Um, but that's those are my main teams. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you if, if Sunderland was still in the mix there. Oh, I, I'm, I'm following them. Not super close, honestly, just because it's so hard to – uh, catch their games from over here, um, but um, especially because they're so far away from the Premier League now, you know. Um, but I've I at least got to watch. Honestly, it was some of the best soccer that I was able to watch during the pandemic was I went back and watched the first season of Sunderland Till I Die, and just the way that that show captures the emotion in the stands was so visceral and it made me miss it so much like it, yeah and I think that was one of the few things that got me through in the middle uh before uh, the MLS's back tournament started so that's a I don't know man I, I feel like that's a little sadistic in a way uh because I tried watching Sunderland until I die and I think I got halfway through season one and I said I cannot do this to myself. <laughs> it's so sad. And like the whole time everyone's like, well, we're going to do our best. We're going to, we're going to make 
and you know like and i knew what happened to them because i had been following them and so like the whole time there was just this dark cloud of nope you're gonna get relegated for the second year in a row they don't know it yet but i'm just gonna watch heartbreak like one by one and uh there was a moment at the end of uh that first season where they find out they've been relegated it's like the depths of misery they've been relegated for two years straight and uh they show their fans in the in the pub they all get together they have like arms around each other and they sing uh wise men say which is the like wise men say only fools rush in which is a song that the timbers army sings as well and so there was like this moment where i was watching this this entire city just basically grieve the loss of a championship level uh team and uh they were doing it in a song that was so familiar to me as a soccer fan in that same context. And it was, it was really emotional. <laughs> it was hard to watch. Yeah. I, was, I, yeah. I, was, I bet, man. It's a, uh, I think the craziest thing about, about the, 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 the beauty of the game is that, you know, you can be sitting in Oklahoma city uh, watching this on your couch and you feel that instant connection with a bunch of guys who are, crying in a pub in england oh totally uh, and and it's it's hard i think it's it's hard to think of anything else in the world that has this level of connection uh like like you know I, I mean there's there's always a way that you're gonna find something that really relates you to someone who grew in a completely opposite side of the world like i don't think that's impossible mm-hmm. uh but nothing like football in my opinion oh yeah no i i think that there's uh, the thing that really got me into soccer the very first time is I went to uh, a U.S. Open Cup game in 2009. Uh, the Sounders had just gotten uh, a spot in MLS, and they had come back to play the Timbers for U.S. Open Cup. And uh, we're like, hey, that's cool. That's a big show in town. We should go to this. And so uh, my dad and a couple of our friends, we went. And uh, my dad was really funny. He was like, well, I don't want to sit with all those crazy drunk Timbers fans on one end. But the, the general admission, let's go to the other part with the general admission. We'll go over there. People will probably be a little bit more chill. So we got in the first row of the general admission section on the far end of the field right next to one of the goals. And then um, behind us filed in like 300 angry, like drunk, rowdy uh, Emerald City supporters from Seattle. So my absolute first game was uh, in the middle of a supporters group that I would learn to despise. <laughs> like, I didn't know at the time, you know, like at that time I wasn't really paying attention to the Timbers, but that one game, just watching how, uh, um, how the Timbers army worked and how like everyone was just psyched and they, uh, they were coming together for this common purpose, which is such a, such a, a strange thing in, uh, in our culture. Like we're so, so individualistic. There's so few things where your people can get together and do like this, this thing like this. Um, and I, I think I was really drawn to that. Um, there is a community that is created. I honestly, when I tell people about what it's like to uh, go to Providence Park and watch the Timbers play, I, I tell them it's like a, uh, a secular worship service. You know, you walk in and it feels like a cathedral as it opens up uh, out of the um, out of the lobby, walking into the arena, and uh, and it 
the sound reverberates the chainsaw you can hear all over the stadium anytime it revs you know and uh, you can hear the drums reverberate and there is something that is very much like a cathedral there and then you stand with people who you might not have anything in common with any other day like there were people uh, in the section I tend to sit in, there's like people who are like bankers and kindergarten teachers and lawyers. And for 90 minutes, they put all of that away and everyone's just Timbers fans. And you're just rooting for your uh, team, but you're rooting for your city. There's something very like that can totally encapsulate civic pride in soccer that other sports grasp at. But I don't super get there. Like uh, here in Oklahoma City, the Thunder are a big deal, right? The city really buys in on the Thunder in a way that's really uncommon in the NBA. Um, like they, they talk about the Thunder like they're the high school team at their high school. They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll like call them by their first name. They're like, oh, yeah. You know, we've got Kevin and, and we got Russ and we got Jay, uh, you know, we got James Harden in here. We got the beard. Are you kidding me? We're going to win this. And then when those people leave, they like panic. And they're like, how could they do this to us? It's like, it's professional basketball, dude. But I, I honestly think that it's one of the things that they have going on is the same with the Timbers. It feels like more, right? It's not just sports. It's this big communal uh, experience. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I I always think of um, – I always make the joke with uh, with a lot of my friends that when I grew up, I went to church twice every Sunday – first to actual church and then uh, at 3 30 in the afternoon would hop in the car and go to the second cathedral which was the yep. the stadium in the middle of my hometown in Tegucigalpa. Uh, the reason I thought of you first Ben of being uh, the first person I got to talk to is I personally have a really hard time getting into the MLS uh, it's just uh, nothing against the fans necessarily I just think the league is weirdly structured. I, I make no sense of the calendar sometimes. Um, yeah, it, there's just a lot of things that really confuse me, right? But uh, when I think of big MLS fans, and I and I have several friends that are big MLS fans, the first person that comes to my head is you. And the reason you you come to my head is I still remember sitting in my dorm room in 2011 watching the first portland timbers home game and seeing you super excited on facebook like you were so excited and uh you know our school in our school the school we went to there were a lot of people who were from uh, the oregon portland area so it was a lot of excitement and i was just like this is really cool like you know this is a team that it's it's new to the league but has has some has some history has has had some some history has had yeah. some uh, um, stories to tell and so it's not necessarily like a super fresh fan base i mean it's newish mm-hmm. uh, especially because you didn't necessarily grow up with them right they just kind of came to happen as you were you know living in portland and and, and things happen so you kind of explained that a little bit but but tell me you know you you have that first visit uh you're there uh not really sure what to expect but when do you remember it was the first time you truly fell in love with the Portland Timbers? Well, uh, so that first game, I actually have video of me like going over the Timbers and and thinking like, man, this is crazy. But partially because at the time uh, at my high school, um, we didn't have a cheerleading section. 
like we had just basically me. Uh, I would go uh, to all the uh, varsity games because I played JV basketball. And I, I will tell people, I, I played JV basketball so I could get into the, all the away games for free because I just wanted to go and cheer for them. Um, it would be me. And if the girls team won, it would be them because they'd be in a good mood. If they lost, then they wouldn't cheer with me. <laughs> uh, so, like, that was my background on, like, on these, like, big, like, fan uh, like chants and things it's the stuff that we were doing in my high school and so like to get out to this this game in 2009 and be like wow this is like adults do this like I could do this even after I graduated like that was a really cool idea and in fact um, I, like I have those videos from the first game but the second game I went to I learned a couple of the chants there's some there was a really easy one it was just like when I root I root for the Timbers well, I went with a couple of friends to the second game, um, and I don't, I don't even remember who was it against. Like, because at that point they were playing in a league that only existed for a year, because uh, uh, the U.S. soccer pyramid after the first uh, tier was a huge mess then, and is uh, it's actually a lot better now, but it's still kind of a mess. Um, but regardless, uh, I I told my friends like, hey, watch this, and I did that chant. I did it loudly and I got the section around me to do it. And then I heard that chant like start like further and further away. And then we had all like 5,000 of us going on this chant. My friends were like, what? And I was like, I mean, this is what I do. <laughs> this is what I've been doing for fun. I think for that moment on, I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Um, like it's my city. I love doing this. Uh, I love being here for this. And I might not uh, super understand soccer at the time, I played as a kid, but like I hadn't been paying attention for probably five or six years. Uh, but at that point, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in for this. This is cool. Because that first little uh, moment of cool, we're doing this together, like with all these people that I might not even know, you know. And uh, that was that was it. After that, I was hooked. Yeah, that's a that's a cool story, man. I I think. Uh... You know, it, it's it's hard. I, I think it's going to be very challenging for me um, as a dad because I, I grew up with, with the game being, you know, something that I watched live. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not that I'm never going to go watch the crew. Like, I, I live in Columbus, Ohio, so it's not, yeah. it's not that I'm never going to go watch the crew, but it's not the same, you know. Yeah, and uh, that's not your team. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more like you know I I have this Columbus Crew T-shirt on because I live in the city and you know I just I, I most of my sports allegiances are were left in Nashville where I previously lived. Uh, sure. But there was no soccer team in Nashville really when I was there. There was a USL team, but never yeah. really got into it. And then we moved here, and I was just like, well, there's one team that uh, there's at least a soccer team here that I can root for. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know it's 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 i think it's there's something unique uh on on growing up or or really loving the sport when you're not just looking at it from far away uh -huh. uh, you know like it's it's um like like i you know i i understand the the whole concept of fan clubs uh i absolutely love going there's a Schalke fan club 
mm-hmm. a few miles from my house, and I absolutely love going and watch games there. It's been a bummer that they haven't been many lately. I'm yeah. kind of glad they didn't have one for Friday because Schalke lost 8-0 to Bayern Munich. <laughs> Yikes, dude. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on September 20th. So it's been two days, more than 48 hours since that massacre. Um, oh, boy. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to be there, but it's different. And I yeah. think there's, there's, you know, from what you're describing me, there's just something special to walk into Providence Park and, and just really experience it. Like, uh, one, things that, that one of the things that I re- truly admired from the Portland Timbers is – you know, they have a really, like, they're, the, the city is bought in, like you just explained. But the Portland Timbers can go anywhere. And there's going to be 20 crazy people in there watching sure. them. And, and that level of following, I don't think many teams have it in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, traveling from, uh, to away games in the U.S. is like, <laughs> I, oh, every once in a while, like, when I was watching that Sunderland doc, uh, I kept thinking, man, can you imagine playing in a country where your furthest away game is still like a couple hours by train? Like what the heck? I would kill for that. I would be all over traveling all over the place for them. But like, that's just not really reasonable in the U S. Um, but it means that, uh, um, people who are expats from Oregon who are kind of all over the place end up coming to those games. And every time I've gone, I've met people who flew, from Oregon for the game, which is, yeah, that's insane. That's not a thing that happens normally, but um, there's, I think there is something that is intoxicating, even if you're not from Portland, is that like, there were people who watched that first game, same time you did, um, and like, fell in love with it and understood what it was immediately. Plus the Timbers Army, they're specifically like, hey, if you want to be Timbers Army, you are, that's it. Like there's no, there's no uh, gatekeeping. I think a lot of clubs are like, and you'll see this sometimes uh, in MLS, but for the most part, not. Uh, but sometimes people will be like, oh, yeah, you're not a real fan. You haven't been here. Like, I've been here for several years. It's like, whatever, dude. Get everyone in here. Even honestly, when you meet people from other teams, like uh, even, even Seattle, as long as it's not game day, you can talk to those guys and be like, hey, hey, we're both soccer fans in the U.S. We might not like the same team, but, like, that already makes us a pretty small group. So unless our teams are playing right that second, then we're probably buds. Like, I've had great conversations and uh, hangs with, like, uh, FC Dallas fans when we go down there and, uh, like, Kansas City people and, uh, I mean, people from all over the place just because, like, the soccer-loving community is pretty small. And so there isn't, like, a that sort of, like, old hatred like there would be for other places. Not to mention our rivalries are – they're sports rivalries. Like, that's it. You know, it's not like uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona where, like, they're kind of political. <laughs> or, uh, what, like, uh, Rangers and uh, Celtic where, like, they're religious and they're really contentious because there's a history of, like, lots of violence and things. Like, that's, of course, not in our history, which means that's a little bit cleaner, a little nicer for us. But... Um, yeah, it, it it must be really nice to not to be involved in a rivalry that's super violent. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I yeah, I like that. My memories of of going to watch uh, my hometown team. Uh, they're called Motawa. They're based in Honduras. Uh, play against a rival 
who we share the city and stadium with mm-hmm. was quite something because I remember sitting there a lot of times being very far away from where the like the the the, the ultra groups the the groups that were cheering all game long used to stand like really close to each other and the only thing dividing them was the police i that was that was absolutely nuts when i think about it now like how, why would yeah why would they even allow that they they kind of cut up later and they actually like created new sections of the stadium that are fenced mm-hmm. where they put those people in there so they're and they're in the complete opposite ends of the of the stadium as well but i remember seeing um grills and yes, I'm talking grills with like charcoal that was still steamy being thrown to the other fan base. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, this this are my memories, and then from the late '90s, it was beautiful. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I kind of envy that. I think there's a, you know, there's a, I think there's a nice like sportive sporting sportive uh hate hatred i guess yeah but when it I, ends there yeah i but. i mean it's it's a sibling rivalry you know like it's uh it's a sibling rivalry except that in general a sibling rivalry it's like oh like i can hate on my brother but like you can't say a word about him if someone says a word about seattle I'm like yeah yeah they do suck correct yeah so i guess it's not exactly a uh sibling thing but like shoot the closest we ever got that first game that i went to um, there was something rather close to that, um, but it was like there's someone up in the well on the field. There was a sounder who was uh, who was down, like faking an injury, uh, just to waste time off the clock. You know how how it is. And uh, they were over near the Timbers Army. And when that happened, when this guy like kind of crawls to the ground, you could hear the entire TA just boo him, right? Like everyone's like, get this dude out of here. Um, like, like one of the chants for that kind of thing in the TA is shoot him like a horse, shoot him like a horse. It's like, hey, if he can't run, get him out of here. Like we don't need him over here. Um, well, someone up in the 200s, uh, and I don't, I couldn't see exactly what happened. All I saw was there's this glint came down and the guy on the ground sat up really quick and the uh the timbers army lost it like they're like ah! it was like they had scored and uh i could hear the uh seattle guys behind us and they were like yo what happened what happened and so it was like i think one of them threw a bottle at him and they're like oh and they started chanting all these profanities the uh, timbers fans but like someone threw a water bottle from the 200s and nailed this guy in the junk it was amazing one of the most incredible shots i've ever seen uh and it wasn't even by a player uh but after that that it was funny to see the responses to that i went to the when i went to that first timbers game as a timbers fan in the actual right section um there they had signs that were like don't throw things on the pitch and everyone was like yeah and if you throw things like we'll fight you like i saw a guy throw something at a like and they almost hit a ball kid and the entire section turned and booed and pointed at him until he left it was great you know but at the same time that uh, that first shot man that was really good I, when it comes down to it though um this last year has kind of been a galvanizing thing for the timbers and the sounders is because uh shoot the um both of them were on the same side of one issue protest um what, what was it oh they had the iron front uh logo out which is uh you know down with monarchy down with 
uh, fascism down with uh, communism. Like that, there's three arrows pointed down. Those are the three things it's saying down with. And the uh, MLS banned the uh, symbol from the stadium. And both Seattle and Portland were like, yo, why do we have a problem with that? Like, no one likes Nazis, MLS. And then, like, legit fascists started coming to games and, like, trying to cause problems in Seattle and in Portland. And as much as I hate Seattle most of the time, like, everyone was on the same team for that. And everyone's like, no, we don't have time for that nonsense. You can pull that right out. So, you know, I think that might be another thing, too. Like, some of those uh, rivalries in the other parts of the world are uh, political, but I think for the most part, soccer people tend to be kind of in the same zone politically. So maybe that's part of the reason why there isn't as much violence. Yeah, I think especially here. Uh, like, I, I think this is one of the few countries where you where you see fan, fans kind of be on the centered left side of the spectrum, like be very supportive for like in, being very inclusive. Like, you know, you, you go to games on Pride, Man, Pride Month and there's, you know, the LGBT flag flying and <laughs> you, don't, you don't see that in many other places, man. Yeah, no. uh, you know, I, I still remember uh, uh, last year actually well no it's, it was this year it, it just feels like it was forever ago uh, <laughs> february feels like it was 10 years ago right now uh but i was watching uh, my favorite german club which is 1860 munich they are in the third division right now mm-hmm. uh, it's very depressing but it's kind of fun because they've gone back to like their old stadium which is fits only like fifteen thousand people yeah. it was very intimate and fun um, and they were playing uh, this uh, East German club called Magdeburg. And, and Magdeburg is, is, you know, with East Germany, like there's kind of like this almost like fascist, very strong fascist movement. And, and this game happened like right after a shooting that left the country shook. Uh, it was it was a white supremacist who went into a mosque and shot a lot of people, and so all the teams had this moment of silence. And 1860 has a very hard Nazi history uh, that they still they took a while for them to acknowledge it and to recognize, it, and they still do a poor job at it. I, it's one of my personal beefs with the club. Sure. Um, yeah, like I, I, I love it. I love being so anti Bayern. Like it's the complete opposite <laughs> spectrum of Bayern Munich because Bayern is a super successful, well run club. 1860 is the complete opposite. It's in depth, it's run <laughs> poorly, it's in the third division. Uh, hey, it's Sunderland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that's why I think I couldn't watch Sunderland until I die. But anyways, uh, back to what I was saying is I remember the moment of silence started and all the Magdeburg fans started booing the moment of silence and the reason for it. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just sitting there. I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, how can you – like, I understand that they are vocally, you know, not afraid to show that. And I think the politics of our era right now allow people to be more vocal about those things. But but one of the things I absolutely loved was the reaction of the fans, which I was not truly expecting. And that was that 12,000 1860 fans got up and started screaming, get the Nazis out in German. And it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a cool moment. It was a cool moment because I was just sitting there. I was like, this is really hard because like, you know, like I, I uh, 
I love the club. I, you know, bought ghost tickets to help them survive the pandemic. Sure. Um, but I also know how, where kind of the fan base is. Like, it's the very blue-colored side of Munich. Sure. And right now, blue-colored tends to identify more with nationalism and things like that. Mm-hmm. So my expectation was like, oh, they're going to join this booing. And they didn't. And it was, it was a very problem. But, but you know, that being said, it's just like what you see in the MLS in terms of where fans tend, tend to stand politically, you don't, you don't really see it anywhere else. Yeah, and it's... Like, and there isn't really, like, a club that um, is especially opposite, right? Like, in general, like, in American sports, clubs are apolitical, right? They're not really a political thing, which is part of why the fact that, you know, shoot, folks around me here in Oklahoma are like, I don't know why I have to keep hearing about these things. I just want to watch sports. Like, why can't they just shut up about Black Lives Matter or something? I just want to, like, watch the Thunder play. I'm like, yeah, but, like, that's cool. But um, you can stop watching sports at any moment, but the players cannot stop being black. Like, like if you're going to watch them and uh, enjoy them and, like, celebrate these people on the almost a weird level in your city, you probably ought to go ahead and acknowledge their personhood. And uh, I think for the most part, uh, in MLS, for whatever reason, we tend to be uh, mostly on the same side. Although, granted, there was a, a Nashville-Dallas game where there were Dallas fans who were, like, booing uh, players who were kneeling. And basically the entire subreddit was like, hey, cut that nonsense out. And most of the Dallas fans were like, yeah, it sucks. I, it's like four or five people. They ruined this thing for everyone. And so it is kind of cool when people come together to be like, no, get that nonsense out of here. This is not what we do. And I think uh, I think I've seen I've seen some of that um, as in the TA, uh, but for the most part, um, we haven't had to do that. You know, people don't come in with those kinds of views, um, but you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I was I was a little bit. I kind of wanted to ask you how you felt about the the because I, I was sitting at it and, and thinking like. This is very ridiculous fight that the MLS has picked up with, uh, to me, the best organized fan group in the whole country. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I was just really interested to, to – I kind of wanted to ask you what you what your take was on it because I, I was sitting over there, uh, you know, not being completely, like, not really caring about the MLS but yeah. really paying attention to it because I was just like – most teams in the world would kill to have a fan base that was taking such stands mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you look at like Hertha Berlin, for example, um, I go back to German teams because I've been reading a lot about German fan culture, but sure. <laughs> um, Hertha Berlin is a team that is really trying really hard to match the tone of the city of being very inclusive, being mm-hmm. different uh, like they have five different training camps in each of the sectors of the city like, or the cool. zones of the city, which is cool, but kind of weird at the same time. Uh, yeah. But they do, you know, they do them and, and that's cool. Uh, but their fan base is just the complete opposite. And I, and I, I can tell you like, like for Hertha, it would be like the greatest like marketing ploy ever if they yeah. had the Timbers army behind them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was just kind of looking at this, like, 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 you know, this group of guys decided to stay quiet 
during a game that really mattered where them being loud and being noisy would would have made a difference but they still didn't care it's just like we're gonna make a stand right now mm-hmm. uh, and i could i could see a lot of people being like you guys lost us this game so like I think this was more than just the result itself. Like this was a huge, huge, like, like statement made by a group of fans that everybody looks up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, okay. So uh, my whole thought on that whole situation from MLS, it's this, it's just so, so stupid. It's this big, dumb, like shooting yourself in the foot, right? Cause like their ideas, they're like, okay, well, uh, according to our code of conduct, it says that you can't take political stances. And like the idea behind that is they don't want people to have like TIFO that's like Trump 2020 or like go vote for Biden, you jag. You're like, you don't want that in the stadium, which is fair, I think. Like, but that's not really what was going on. Like making a stand against authoritarianism is not, political in America, that's our whole thing. That's the whole history of America is, hey, authoritarianism authoritarianism sucks. And we're going to fight it over and over and over again um, throughout our entire time as a country. So I don't know why that was the thing that someone thought would be controversial. And I I honestly don't think that it would have been controversial in um, maybe another administration, another time where everything isn't so darn divisive. But uh, I think that was the issue, um, is that pe- there were some owners in MLS who were really spooked out. And um, they're like, oh, I, don't, I don't want anything that might look like it's a bunch of dirty leftists. It's like, dog, it's Portland. Like, everyone's a bunch of uh, dirty leftists. Like, uh, shoot, when the protests actually started this year, uh, one of the things that you would see at every single protest was the No Pity Van, which is the, like, merch van that the Timbers Army has. And because uh, they were out there every night, like, supplying uh, protest medics. And in fact, they got their their tires slashed, like, twice during protests, which, like, they were able to raise the money and, like, replace them really quick. But they're like, whatever. Like, we're going to keep fighting for our community. You can't really stop us by uh, slashing our tires. But the thing from last year, eventually uh, Portland and like fans from all over the place, because there's this organization that's like a, um, almost like a union for supporters groups. Uh, and they got together real quick and they're like, we are not going to deal with that. Like, that's not going to be a thing. If you try to come up out here and try to ban these things, then you're just not going to have us here. And like, as much as we know the team is important, but the, we're important too. Uh, one of the things that is said in, uh, in Portland, is that there's this triangle that's important. It's the team, the town, and the TA. You don't have all three of those that are working, like the, the team being responsive to both the city uh, and uh, different community groups that could use assistance and to their fan groups, then it's not gonna do well. And if the fan group isn't doing the same to the team and to uh, the city, then it's not gonna do well either. Like we need each other. And that means that you need us. So there were, uh, there was that, that game where actually both the Timbers and the Sounders fans got together and they're like, sorry, dog. Like we know you depend on us for marketing. This is the biggest game of the year. Like one of the biggest games of the year. You, we know what you want. You want TIFO, you want noise, you want uh, the biggest game in the US and we're not gonna give it to you. And like, that was a thing that was so cool because it was Portland and, uh, and Seattle both did it. and then. Um, at a certain minute, they, 
uh, brought the noise back, but they brought it back with a ton of iron front flags. They're like, look, you're not going to stop us saying this. Like, that's not going to change. And, and like the kind of stuff that people got kicked out for in different stadiums is insane. Like the iron front thing, um, like if you don't understand what it means, you don't know the history on it. I, I get people like thinking, oh, that's just, that's a bunch of rioters that have that logo. But like, there was one uh, TIFO in uh, Atlanta that got taken, and it just said anti-Nazi zone. How is that a problem? <laughs> I don't. But like, that's that's the kind of stuff that was going on. Um, and it was kind of cool to see um, a the Timbers Army make that stand, and b um, the league eventually were like, fine, you know, we we do need you. Let's work to come up with something better. And uh, that's one of the things that they were working on this last offseason. Um, so, honestly, I'm not exactly sure where that ended up because uh, it hasn't hardly come into play because no one's in the stands. Um, honestly, that's probably better <laughs> for, for the league. They're probably like, great. I can't imagine the stands from here to November. I can't imagine the stands after November depending on the uh, result. So, like, I, that might not be a bad thing that uh, everyone's at home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, it's just a weird, um, weird stance for MLS to make, but I think, uh, clearly things have changed, right? Um, the Black Lives Matter movement has been, um, in, important in a way that I don't think it had been, and that's, that sounds bad. But I think it uh, it permeated white American culture in a way that it hadn't previously, right? Um, I think during the quarantine, uh, there's a lot of people who had a lot less to think about. There were there's no distractions, right? Like if you're a sports fan, like there's nothing for you to watch. Um, and so I think people got a little bit more informed, and they had less going on. So that there were more people marching. There's you know, all sorts of people who are getting involved in that. And that gave the league, and not just MLS, but MLS, the NBA, even the NFL, uh, WNBA, who's always been awesome about that kind of stuff, um, all the cover they needed, basically, to say, yeah, no, we care about this. Like, we agree, Black Lives Matter. In fact, in MLS, um, one of the things that happened right before uh, the MLS's back tournament was – there was a black players union that got uh, founded and um, Portland's uh, Jeremy Obobese is really active in that. And he's, he's awesome. And the cool thing about him is he's great on the field and then he gets off the field and he's almost even better just because he's a great advocate. And I, uh, he's one of those guys that you're, you're proud to have on the team because he's not just a good player. He's just a good guy. And so, um, yeah. I'm glad to see that MLS has changed on it, but it was really frustrating there for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think I think we can move on from politics because I feel like sorry. <laughs> probably lost probably lost like half of the people by now. Uh, like this two thirty leftist talking about talking about football and politics. I, I we could. I mean, honestly, we could. I, I could sit down and do another podcast about this. That'd be absolutely fascinating. Uh, oh, for maybe, sure. Maybe we can do that in the future, but. Let's talk about you and your love for the Timbers. And there's a phrase in Spanish that says, it's easy to love your team when everything is going well, but when your heart is broken by your team, there's no going back from it. Mm -hmm. Can you think of that time that 
and, and maybe just not the Timbers, but just football in general broke your heart so much that you were oh, like, yeah. screw this. I'm never going to go back to this. Screw the TV. If, if that thing is on again, I'm going to completely throw it out of the window. Oh, yeah. I, uh, so, U.S. Open Cup, um, shoot. I don't even remember the year. It must have been like 2013 or so, uh, maybe 14. Oh, it was odd. Year. It must have been an odd year because, uh, wait, odd year? No, even years. We're awful in even years. For a long time, there was a curse. Like, we would be a decent team in uh, odd years. Like, we won a ship in uh, an odd year in 2015. In 2016, we didn't even make playoffs. Uh, the, all we had to do the last day of that season um, to win the Cascadia Cup was not lose by three to Vancouver. And we lost by three to Vancouver. Like, it was like that kind of year, right? Uh, so it must have been an even year. Um, I don't know which. Um, and it was the U.S. Open Cup. And... Uh, the Timbers were playing uh, Cal FC, which was not a professional team. They were one of those, like, really low-level teams uh, that played their way up in that tournament. And so it was supposed to be straight-up easy game. I remember sitting on my couch in, uh, in Phase 6 at OC, and, like, I had, like, a couple of scarves on, and I was watching this game. And I had, like, the rest of the guys in uh, an unbound around, like, Steven – was there like no one like was watching it with me it was just me being a weirdo watching this uh soccer game that was happening two thousand miles away like it's not even a professional team you know uh well man there was a point in that game where uh our star striker steps up to the spot he's got a penalty and i I swear eddie he like clanks the dang ball off a satellite like it just goes straight up i've never seen a shot that bad like all just put it on frame and you're fine for a penalty. And he couldn't do it. Like, I don't, the ball is probably still out in space somewhere. And at that moment, I, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. And it wasn't like, and it was clear that the team wasn't really in it. Like they, they weren't really running for the ball. And like, we ended up going to overtime and then like going down to this team. And like the Timbers Army, normally the most supportive supporters group in the world, like gets mad. Like, you could hear them. Um, like, they were starting to chant, care like we do. I still remember that. Like, they're like, hey, we came. We care. We want to support you. Run for a ball. Like, do anything. You know, it, like, that was a, a low point. I specifically remember, more than any other point in that game, we were down at the, uh, it was like halftime of the extra period. And, like, the... The Timbers Army was quiet, and I remember sitting there just, like, looking down, like, we're going to be the first professional team ever in this tournament to lose to a bunch of amateurs. And, like, not, like, amateurs, like, oh, these guys are a bunch of amateurs. Like, actual amateurs. We're going to do that for the first time in a tournament that's existed for, like, almost a 100 years. Oh, like, it's, like, the lowest, the worst you could possibly do. And the Timbers Army... There's a couple of guys who play like trumpets and bugles, but one of the guys uh, played taps on the trumpet. So just out of the quiet in the middle of halftime, you just hear, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like this, this 
mournful, like, oh, well, this is the, the passing of a great club. I remember thinking, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is the worst. It can't get worse than this. Plus, I think Cal, uh, FC, the very next game, they went up and played Seattle, and Seattle destroyed them. It was like 8-1. So it was even more embarrassing because of that. But I think after that, I was like, well, I don't want to, like, Oh, I'm not happy, but, like, you got to keep uh, just hoping that things uh, work out. Plus, honestly, in MLS, you have the um, the parody is in a way that's like, okay, so you're super bad one week. That's a bummer. But next week is just a week away, and you really don't know how that's going to go. Um, like, the Timbers this week, uh, like last week, we didn't look very good. We're missing a couple of our uh, key players. They're kind of a mess. This week, they rolled up on San Jose, and they, they tied San Jose last week. This week, they rolled up on San Jose, and they put six goals past. Uh, an MLS uh, regular season record for us. Like, we destroyed that team. I was like, what happened? And just, MLS is weird like that. Like, games can just kind of go however. And uh, you just kind of have to hope that your team – can pull it out um, but I think that's one of the things is like in the end like even a crushing crushing loss like that one and that one was bad um, was in the end not the end of the season um, I mean from that moment to our championship was less than three years you know so it's like the highs and lows come so quickly that uh, you don't have time to uh, to really get disheartened like Sunderland fans did, you know? Uh, so I think there is there's something to that, um, where just the in the end, the misery just isn't going to get to the same sort of level. And I think I think that's probably one of the beauties of the MLS is that, you know, you you your team can it can be San Jose one year, but then next year you're gonna be Toronto, you know? Yeah. Uh, like it's it's just kind of like that. It's it's quite interesting um, to see um, to to kind of like, I don't know. Like it, it's it's an interesting feeling to to be able to suck without having any consequences for it. <laughs> That's like, like like there's a, there's a huge beauty there. Like I remember you know uh, when I when I was I think I was probably like twelve or thirteen years old and uh, my hometown team. Did not win a single game in the second half of the tournament. So that was nine games in a row. They they didn't 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 win. They picked up I think a, a point uh, like three or two or three of those games, then lost the rest. It's completely pathetic because we're the the second biggest team in the country, second most titles in the country, uh, have have just come from the best ten years in history of the team ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the time that I grew up. So I just completely seen everything being fascinating and awesome. And I was just thinking like, nothing could go wrong. Like, this is going to be great for the rest of my life. And then they almost got relegated that year. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I I understand why there's no uh, promotion relegation. And I understand why people wanted, I would, I would kind of like it as a neutral. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm all for the chaos. Oh, Uh, sure. (laughs) Sure. But... You know, it, I it's it's all the same. It's, it's kind of nice not to have to worry about it. Like it's it's one of those things that like we we just push through this year, and then we'll see what next one brings. And 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 there's some beauty on that. 
I think there's something very like quintessentially American about that too, where like, hey, like if you show up and you're just garbage one year, like that's okay. You start, you keep trying. And in fact, if you're garbage, maybe we'll help you out. You'll get like a better draft pick. I mean, that happens in, in MLS, but the draft doesn't matter near as much. But like in uh, in basketball, it's a huge thing. Like tanking uh, for a season to get some good picks and rebuild the team is a totally normal thing. Like. When if you are super bad, like it's okay, like you keep uh, grinding, maybe you'll make it back up. I think there is something that's very like that's what the American dream is supposed to be, right? Like, hey, you can come to America, and if you come to uh, come from a bad uh, bad situation and your background is rough, like that's okay, you can find opportunity here. I, I think there might be something similar with our sports where it's like even if you're bad it's okay like there's still an opportunity for you to win you find that mouse no it's uh <laughs> yeah uh it's a parenthesis yeah there is a mouse in my house and i'm terrified of them um no it's my pet bunny he is he did something um that i think he scared himself because bunnies have that tendency of making a noise that scare them so it's, it's okay. quite quite amusing uh but yeah i just just looking back because i was just like You're, you were just eating hay man what happened uh <laughs> what did you do to yourself uh, which is not helping my fear of the mouse that's around yeah, my no, house. Yeah. for sure anyways you can continue Vanessa. i'm sorry it's all good i um but it's you know um i i definitely look at uh Uh, relegation and promotion it's such an interesting situation i definitely thought about it like oh, how cool would that be but uh man san jose they wouldn't be in mls anymore like they've they've had several seasons that have been just incredibly bad i think right now they're on a, a double digit home loss uh or home winless streak they haven't won a game in their own stadium for a long time um just just miserable but the cool thing is for the san jose fans um you know it's tomorrow's just around the corner who knows what can happen i mean this year with the the timbers we didn't start off very strong but when we started the mls's back tournament um they looked really good and then they continued to look really good all the way through the final And so it was kind of cool to end up actually taking home some silverware, even if that silverware is a trophy for a tournament that will probably never happen again. <laughs> you know? It's kind of hard to be like, yeah, we're the best because we won this trophy that will probably never happen. It's like uh, we end up getting a, a Champions League berth out of it, which is cool. It ends up being kind of like a pseudo U.S. Open Cup. Um, but hey, you know, the, uh, the team – started the season did not look like they were going to bring anything home and honestly this team that is continuing the season doesn't look like they're uh well suited to do much of anything with the rest of the season uh, especially with the injuries and so it was kind of cool to just start in the middle and they're like okay here we go like there's a shot you know all it is is six or seven games to to get a trophy and they they did it so I mean, that's very much the the spirit of mls is you really never know how it's going to go Yeah, it was quite quite intriguing, um, to be honest, that they chose that format. Um, I thought the bubble was going to be terrible when Dallas and Nashville showed up and, the, you know, 
everybody was starting to get positive. And I was just like, well, this is where the bubble doesn't really work well, in my opinion. But uh, and they pushed through it. Um, yeah. I was probably a little disappointed uh, because I really thought Columbus looked really well. Um, mm-hmm. I know Columbus has a few guys that mean a lot to you with, you know, Porter and uh, Magby and Addy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it was just like – this is such a typical kill Porter team. Like when they, when you need them to be more clutch, they're not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I, I've learned, uh, you know, again, I don't pay much attention, but I do, I do sometimes like watching, especially like uh, when the playoffs kind of start, you know, when they go sure. into the last cup playoffs and uh, kind of start watching those games. Cause they're more, they're more intriguing. Uh, I be- believe they're one game for right now, or are they two, two, le- two legs? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, it, in the past, uh, it will be, it's like hybrid. Like some of it's two leg. Uh, like when we won the championship, um, it was two leg. Like the first game was a one game knockout with uh, Kansas City that went to like 24 uh, penalty kicks, which is insane. And then uh, after that, um, there were two series that were home and home. So we played Vancouver. Uh, and uh, here in Portland and in Vancouver. And then we played Dallas in Portland. And then they came and played in Dallas. And I actually got to go to that one. Um, and uh, that was for the Western Conference Championship. And, uh, uh, oh, man. Like, I don't remember that night forever. You know, like, they, I didn't get to see them play in Columbus because those tickets sold out, I think, immediately. Um, like, the people who got to go, I don't know how they uh, shoved their way uh, into that uh, bleacher, but. Uh, but it was cool to go to the game right before it. You know, it was raining, which is like, that's our jam. Like, we have chance for that. Like, let it rain, let it pour, let the Portland Timbers score. Nah, 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 nah. Like, we're, we come ready for that. The Dallas fans were, like, uh, tweeting at the front office. They're like, hey, it's raining. Can I get a refund on my ticket to the playoff game that leads directly to the MLS Cup? Are you kidding me? Like, we will make fun of them for that forever. And our, our front office has made fun of them for that since then, um, which is hilarious to me. Uh, but, like, um, I don't even know what I was talking about, Eddie. I just I can't entirely. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember either. Just keep going, man. Let, uh, well, let, let, let the train go. Yeah, well. Um, oh, the playoffs. Think, playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, the playoff format is something that, like, if I talk to people who watch more Premier League or something else, they're like, I don't know, what's the deal with this playoff situation? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, the uh, regular season, because of that, there are some games, like, toward the end where, like, if you're just bad, like, it doesn't, the game doesn't really matter, you know? And that's a bummer. That doesn't really happen in the Prem, because, like, man, if you're, uh, if you're San Jose and you're just, like, having a rough season, then you might be fighting for your life at the end. Uh, you know, before Sunderland um, had those two seasons in a row where they went down, they had a, a great escape where they basically had to win the last six games of the season, and they did it. And it was, like, this incredible thing. I mean, we don't really get that, but the playoffs is kind of what we get in return, right? Like, the the idea that this is this one game that's just super important um, uh, is pretty cool. Um but yeah, we, we went down to that uh, Dallas game and uh, and watched them win in the rain. They they got the trophy and then uh, they came over 
to us, like put it up in front of us, like all slid toward the trophy. And we were able to chant like, hey, one more win, guys. Let's do it. Let's bring it home. That was really cool. And uh, that was a, an experience that I didn't even just share with um, like, you know, 5,000 of my closest friends like I would have back home. It was like 300, 400, 500 of us maybe. And it was kind of cool. This like weird little intimate thing of this, on the highest level of professional soccer uh, in the U.S., uh, we had what felt almost like this this little tiny, like almost like an NCAA, like a, a soccer or, or a, a college sports experience where like it was just us and this team in this big empty stadium at that point. And uh was was really cool. Like the, the, the coach came over and says, yeah, we're going to get it. We're going to bring it home for you guys. It was like, I, I have some great pictures from that day. It was really cool to go with uh, um, like my sister. And I, I have some of my favorite pictures of uh, Katie and I from that game. Although uh, I bought a, when they actually did win the uh, championship, I bought a uh, coffee table book that has pictures from it. There is a picture that was taken of our group and I'm straight up Mike wazowski in it. Like I'm directly blocked. Like, there's someone sitting right in front of me. And it was, I, it's so funny. I was like, and like the people who were there, like some of them, I'm like, these guys, I just knew, like I just, it was like, hey, you want to come to this game? So we had all sorts of random folks who like, they didn't know anything about soccer. There's one guy who came with us who was from Portland and the whole game, he was like sitting in the section being like, man, why doesn't anyone sit down? It's like, dog, you came with the TA. No one sits down. You sing all game. He's like, Oh, this is so annoying. I'm like, why did you come to this? So it was kind of funny that uh, in the end, I ended up getting blocked out. <laughs> but uh, and you can see that kid, no problem. And I, I, still one of those things. It's just kind of funny the way that things go. But um, I, and honestly, I, I count myself lucky to not only have had one playoff experience, but uh, in 2000, shoot, is it just 19? No, must have been the year before, 2018. Um, the t the Timbers like they were fine all year, but no one really like expected anything crazy from them. But like in playoffs, they just lit up, and uh, they won some of the most insane games I've seen like against Kansas City. Uh, we actually went down again to watch them beat uh, Dallas, but it was the first round game, so it was just one game, and it was on. It was on Halloween. So Dallas was like, please come to this game. Like they were trying to like, I think food was like a dollar for anything. They're like, you please come to this game. It's a playoff game. And Dallas was mostly like, as a city, they were like, uh, no, <laughs> enjoy your empty stadium. And it's like, they're like, it's kind of a big deal. It's playoffs and we're actually a very good team. And uh, this whole city just ignored them. But we were there. And uh, so we got to watch that. And then I watched them, you know, go back to Portland, win some games, go back uh, to Kansas, win some games. And then uh, they went to the uh, MLS Cup and uh, Clayton called me up. He's like, we're going, we're going. It's never going to get closer than uh, Atlanta. That's, that's a day's drive for us. We can do that. So we did. We got to go to the, uh, the MLS Cup. And they did like a big uh, – day before party um and like they brought the victory log on a truck all the way out to atlanta so it was there like we went and talk, uh, got pictures with that and um hung out with all these like portland people who would come out just for that 
And uh, eventually, you know, we were the like 2,000 people up in the corner of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, and it's kind of funny. They did this thing where they told everyone to get out their phones, like show like lights. And uh, you can see the Timbers Army on the on the video because it's just this huge dark section where we're like, we're not doing that. Get that out of here. Um, but uh, that was... Uh, that game didn't go well, but when it came down to it, no one really expected us uh, anything out of us. So the fact that we made it there was so cool. Um, and I, you know, met some Atlanta fans who were really cool. We had a good time, uh, even if the the game didn't go well. Like it was O2 loss, and the weather was bad on our walk back to our place. It was like a pretty soul crushing way to end the season, but. The fact that they made it there was really cool and it was really awesome to like share that experience with Clayton who uh, is one of those guys who like, wasn't into soccer but he, he came to me a couple of years back he was like hey Ben um so I think I want to get into soccer like do you want to watch a U.S. game I was like yeah let's watch a U.S. game that won't be a terrible mistake <laughs> um and then it kind of was I think the first game that we watched was uh I think we watched the uh, men's team, like, fail to qualify for the World Cup together. I think we went downtown and watched that game, uh, or maybe a couple more before that and then that game. But he got hooked. Like, we hung out. He liked the people that we were around. And so I said, well, he said, well, should I, should I get into the Timbers? I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I love the Timbers. You'd have a great time getting into them because um, they're a fun team to root for, even if, when we're kind of a mess. Um, just because the fans are a lot of fun. Um, but I was like, you got a hometown team. Like, you can watch the, the energy play. They're, you know, they're not the top tier, but they're the second tier. They're a pretty big deal. Um, and the parts that you like about uh, soccer are still going to be present there, even if they're a little different. And he said, okay. And, like, the next thing I knew, he was serving on the board for uh, their supporters group. <laughs> like, and he did that for a year or two. And then um, – and then he became a dad and had like other things to do, I guess, somehow. Um, it's, it's tough, man. I don't yeah. get in a hard time. <laughs> oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't at all. He's, uh, plus, I mean, this season, it's like this season, the last one, um, there's been all sorts of weird stuff going on anyway. Uh, not, they've hardly been able to be at the games this year. Um, but anyway, he got into that. He's like, okay, I think I'm, I enjoy this. Uh, what MLS team should I get into? And so I sent him a little primer. I was like, well, Dallas is the closest. They've got a really good team. The city doesn't care about them. Uh, like uh, Kansas has a really good team, re- a beautiful stadium. So nice. Um, and uh, they apparently do like the best uh, tailgate because they do barbecue. Like that's cheap and good. And I mean, they've been recently successful. Um, I was like, or – you can root for the Timbers. They're far away, but, I mean, I'd root with you. That'd be fun. And uh, he got into that, and then we've been going to games ever since. In fact, we actually had a plan this year to go down to Houston. I've never gone to Houston for a game. Um, we've only gone to uh, mostly Dallas, but I've gone up to uh, Kansas with uh, Agleston one time. It's a, it's a good time. Those are good trips. Um, and then there was, like, the whole pandemic thing that totally canceled our trip, which was honestly very rude of the coronavirus to cancel our trip like that. But I'll try not to hold uh, that against it. It, it happens, man. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I had picked a, 
a weekend, well, week, weekend type thing uh, to fly away to Milan to finally see Inter. And things kind of just happened at the job that I had at the time. Um, And at the same time, everything exploded in Italy. And I was just like, probably a good idea. And I I decided to not do this because I would have been stuck in Milan with a ticket in hand. In a game that was being played behind closed doors, and that would not have been good. Um, so, you know, I, I think the pandemic has ruined plans for everyone. Oh, for uh, sure. It's, uh, oh. yeah, we, it's been the worst. Oh, for sure. Um, it's been, uh, I don't know, it's been a weird thing, like, watching soccer during the pandemic. I know a lot of the, uh, when the MLS is back tournament was announced, there was a lot of Super fans who were like, please do not endanger our team. We like them as people. We don't want them to be hurt. Like, don't play this if it puts our players in risk. And I think, uh, honestly, one of the huge successes from uh, the MLS back wasn't just, like, our team's personal success, like they happened to take uh, home a trophy. It was just the fact that they were able to have the tournament at all. I mean, it was rough for uh, Nashville and Dallas, who couldn't quite make it to the bubble before they were all symptomatic. But... Um, for everyone else, it went about as well as you can possibly expect. And even, and really, to be fair, they weren't even the first ones to do it. Uh, the Women's League ran their tournament first, um, and they were fine. But granted, the Women's League is also, it's like eight teams. You know, it's a little bit easier to run uh, a tournament with that many people. And they did it, like, in Salt Lake City. Like, and basically, functionally, the middle of nowhere, right? Like, uh, so that worked out okay. Um uh, there was early on, there were people who were like, please do not send this team. Please do not send this team. I think the Timbers Army specifically put out a thing that was like, we don't want to uh, jeopardize the team. Like, if uh, if anyone gets sick, like, that's going to be on you. And uh, we'd just rather they wouldn't. Like, everyone wants a trophy. That's fine. And we, we all miss soccer more than almost anything. But, like, safety's more important. But luckily, uh, MLS did a really great job with that. And, uh and kept everyone, everyone safe. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I I was nervous about it. I I still, I still think it's a it's really bold for a lot of teams to start allowing fans in the stands. Um, and I say this uh, as fan as it as it as it was to watch the crew play yesterday and actually hear people scream goal. Um, yeah. Like that, that was like, that was so refreshing. Even though I, I'd been watching some uh, like uh, Bundesliga games and even friendlies, um, you know, in, in this like last three weeks where there were actual fans and it was actually like very refreshing. It's like, oh my goodness, this feels like completely different. This is not totally like, you know, this is not noise that has been created or recorded right. from old games. And why do I hear a bunch of boos when the stands are empty? I think yeah, it's yeah. ESPN. Uh, but <laughs> You know, it, it, it was it was incredibly refreshing. Uh, it's refreshing to see that because I, one of the things that I personally have feared. I don't know. I don't. You might look at this completely different than I do, but I've I've really feared the way the game has kind of like because I think that one of the beauties of the game is the fans, and that's why we're doing this. Right, that's why we're having yeah. this conversation right now. Yeah. But uh, one of my fears is that, in a way the TVs, uh, you know, companies, all the companies, all the TV companies and the, the leagues and the teams have found a way 
to continue this without the fans. Yeah. That that to me one can feel a little insulting, and two a little worrying. You know because fans have you know create such a special thing for this, um, and you know when when you take them out. Which, which granted, I, I understand why, especially in Europe, a lot of things, a lot of teams had to finish because they needed that money to survive and not disappear. And yeah. and in that point, that point, you as a fan, you're just like, okay, this sucks, but like, let's finish it. Like, you know, this yeah. is not the ideal situation. Like, you know, of course, I I personally also hate that an MLS player can get tested three times a week and find out a few hours after he's tested whether he's positive or negative well you and i can go get tested and we have to wait two weeks that to me is a little insulting uh, yeah uh, for sure <laughs> a lot of people might not think that that way but i i think i think it's insulting that you know that that there's that level of privilege to it but mm-hmm. too like to me just you know recreating the atmosphere was was just like this is this is not good like give me give me the game with uh, I I want to hear Caleb Porter screaming at the refs like he does all the time because he's kind of a whiner. Yeah, give totally. That. Give me that. Like that's all I want. Uh, Absolutely. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I don't. Know. I don't know how there, you feel. Well, on that in particular, the Timbers Army was very much like you'd hang out on the hashtags on Twitter during the MLS's back tournament. And sometimes the, it depended on the broadcaster. It was like Fox would do one thing and ESPN would do the other. Um, but one would do piped in fan noise, but it was like they would do fan noise from uh, Timbers games, but they wouldn't like the chance like happen at to- at specific times. Like we don't just do one chant like all the time, you know, uh, for example, there is a chant that we would only do right after we got scored. And they would just play that in the middle of the game. We're like, why are we sad? Why is the stadium sad? That doesn't make sense. But they don't know. They don't know what it means. Um, but I'm not worried about the longevity, like the long-term effect, uh, where it's like, I mean, honestly, watching NBA games, the way that they have dealt with that, like the graphics around the uh, – the like little fake stadium they got have are actually pretty slick. And even the MLS uh, graphics and uh, whatever look pretty good, all things considered. Um, but I think the ownership uh, of the different clubs understands how important that is. I know ours does. Um, our owner literally posted a picture during the Thorns game today that said, you know, um, I thought at some point I would get used to like playing in these empty stadiums, but it's just the soul of the game is gone. He tweeted that out today. And so it's like, um, I think maybe some other uh, owners might not feel the same way. They might be like, hey, we'll play in an empty stadium uh, forever. It doesn't bother us. But it's more ad sales. You know, we get to, there's all all this space that used to be people that now we can straight up put an ad, a banner ad on it if we want. Um, But I think for the most part, people understand how important uh, that fans are, if not for, I mean, obviously for ticket sales, but also for the atmosphere that they bring. And at least Portwood, I think we're really lucky to have good ownership that understands exactly what they have. Um, it, it didn't start out that way. <laughs> uh, when uh, the owner who is there, Merritt Paulson, when he first bought the team, um, one of the first things that happened while he was there was they brought this player down um, from Seattle on a trial. Um, because uh, Seattle was looking to go MLS. There's this guy they didn't really think was going to make the leap to MLS. They thought 
uh, he might be better for a, a lower level team. And so they sent him down and uh, the Timbers played him for uh, uh, an afternoon. And every time this guy got the ball, um, he was getting booed by all of the Timbers fans. And the owner was like, what the hell is their problem? Like, this guy's playing for us right now. Like, what's the big deal? And they're like, no, you don't understand. That's Roger Levesque. Roger Levesque is like, the like number one super villain uh, for the Seattle Sounders against the Timbers in that first game that I saw um, in 2009, Levesque scored like 39 seconds in and like did this uh, goal celebration where he pretended to be a tree and he was like chopped over and like Timbers fans hate that guy. And our ownership didn't understand it at first. Um, when they went MLS, they, uh, they changed the logo, but they, they made it a little cartoony and it's a little different than what it looks like now. Um, but when it got uh, revealed, the chant, the fans like were there at the reveal thing, and they like chanted like "You messed up, you messed up," and like the owner was mad. He like almost got in a fight with a the guy there. But um, I think now <laughs> he gets it right. And uh, as much as uh, there are still, you know, there's things that they disagree on, like what happened last year, but. I think for the most part, um, at least the ownership understands how important that the fans are. Mm -hmm. I know I've seen, uh, shoot, that's happened in other leagues where um, like the Sacramento Kings had ownership that were garbage and they were, they were actively looking to move them to LA, even though LA already had two NBA teams, dumbest thing in the world. The uh, Kings were a bad team for a long time, but their fans were rabid. Um, and they like finally got ownership that was like understood how important a team was to the city and they kept them there. They built a brand new stadium and I don't care about the Kings, but I'm really psyched for their fans because they finally have ownership that's worthy of their fan support, you know? Um, so I think we are lucky to have that uh, for the most part. Um, in, even uh, in basketball, I think the Blazers tend to have that as well. Um, though it is a, here's a weird little piece of trivia. The ownership that owns the Blazers um, also owns the Seahawks, which also owns the Sounders. It's <laughs> it's funny sometimes. Uh, like the Portland teams, like they'll talk on social media, and most of the time they're like, "Hey, yeah, good luck, buds." Uh, but it is kind of funny. I'm like, you own the rivals, though. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know about that. But then again, in American soccer, that's really common too, where you have. Uh, or two rival teams that are owned by the same people. I think uh, for a long time, Dallas and uh, like Kansas were owned by the same team, same guy, uh, Lamar Hunt, who was the, the U.S. Open Cup is named after. Um, so granted, that's probably super common here, but uh, it is kind of a funny little aside, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, MLS ownership is is super interesting. Like like. Yeah. I remember when Nashville, um, I was still living there, announced that the Vikings, like the ownership of the Vikings would have a lot of investment on the team. I was like, why are these people in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, even care about Nashville? Like, it's it's such an odd, you know, it, it, it kind of opens the door for the whole mess that Columbus had. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of weird, but I, 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 which I think, you know, and Nashville has, has gone through that uh, several times with one, the Titans into the Preds, like the Preds were owned by a guy who all he wanted was to start a team that would have some sort of functionality and then eventually just sell them 
to whoever wanted them. Uh, even he didn't care if that person moved them away or not. And then the fans were just like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. We still don't understand what icing means, but yeah. this team means a lot to us. And that's when, a, you know, like a local group bought it and it's it, it's the team that the whole city rallies behind. But sure. yeah, it's, yeah, it's MLS. MLS ownership is, is, is something else. I mean, shoot, uh, that the whole situation with uh, Columbus was uh, insane. It's honestly like um as much as it's really cool to watch the austin team like they sold out of season tickets already which is awesome for them they've got some really cool things going on i'm still gonna hate them a little bit because of what their owner tried to do to columbus i literally i think one of my favorite uh moments um of watching uh soccer was i watched a little bit of the like first columbus game first home game after it came out that pre-court was trying to move the team and the whole stadium like for like 30 minutes like it was such a long time they just chanted um wait can i curse i don't know if i go for it okay yeah well regardless uh they were chanting c-r-e-w fuck you pre-court we are the crew which is like yeah dude like the whole team was like yeah, we've been bad. Yeah, like there's like this stadium's out in the middle of freaking nowhere and no one wants to come to these things. But like this is our team. Like forget you trying to move the team. And it was cool to see the whole city like uh that year like they made uh, jerseys that were like, "Hey, here's like the supporters um crew jersey. Don't give this man your money." You know, <laughs> which is which is cool. Like the whole city got together and was like, "Forget this. We're going to figure it out." Um which was which is great. And I'm glad they were able to figure something out. And uh, don't y'all have a new stadium coming up too? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I drove past it the other day. I haven't, I haven't been leaving home very much, like almost everyone. Of right? Course. Yeah. But uh, I drove past it. It's like, Oh my God, it's almost finished. Uh, and Nashville, they still don't know what's going on with their stadium, but uh, which yeah. is amazing to me. Uh, but yeah, it, I think that, I think that was to me the one of the funniest thing was just like, the team got sold and then the city was like, yeah, yeah, screw you. We're going to build a new stadium now. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. You were begging for one, but we're not going to give it to you. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's something else. I, I, yeah, I think the, the whole save the crew movement was, was very intriguing. I still think that in my opinion, I don't know. I might be wrong, right? I, I'm just new. I have been living here in Columbus for a year, so I might not see things the way they should be but to me still kind of weird that you know i know that the stadium was empty because people were trying to give that guy their money uh as much as that hurt the club um and the players and the performance of the team even though they kind of sneak through some playoff games after that yeah um it was very interesting uh but it, it i don't think it created the, the the effect that i think the like the really hardcore fans we're kind of hoping for yeah because besides the one time they play fc cincinnati that stadium is empty uh you know and and that's just me and that's you know before the pandemic that's just looking at it for a whole year like that stadium has just been empty and that to me is a little bit of a like of a bummer because um I thought they had something kind of fun going. Like it seemed like they would have a nice snowball effect. Uh, but I, I guess the state, the other stadium is still too ugly, too ugly for people to want to go to it. 
I mean, to be fair, I, I have seen a game there, and it was uh, it, it's a little rough. I, I actually, uh, I think that's part of why uh, there were people who were in on Save the Crew who were, weren't from Columbus. I think most of the city or most of the country uh, understands how important Columbus is in particular to American soccer. And it's one of the original teams in MLS. Um, like, they're one of the only teams that has, like, kept most of their identity, right? Like, they changed the logo a couple years back, but it's, you know, it's still pretty much the same as it was. And the fact that, like, as much as that stadium is old and ugly and kind of broken down and the the video board, like, constantly catches fire or whatever, like, uh, that was the first soccer-specific stadium in the States. Like, that was a huge freaking deal. Like, they had something that, um, I mean, nobody had. Right, like every when the timber started, like, uh, and the Sounders will still use this as an epithet. They're like, oh, you don't play in a soccer stadium; you play in a baseball stadium. And I mean, the in USL, they very much did. Like, uh, they had to cover up the pitcher's mound uh, with uh, with turf. You know, like it was very much like a weird old baseball stadium. And, but um, the the crew figured that out early and i think that was really important for the history of american soccer and because they had the soccer specific stadium they also hosted a ton of usmnt games so like columbus is the place uh, to like that's the home stadium for the u.s team um by the time i went it was uh shoot it was like september 11th when i was in college um they played mexico and there had already been a history where you played Mexico and Columbus, you beat them two to zero. Enough that like you could get shirts that just had dos acero, right? <laughs> like that was the tradition. You come here, we beat you two to nil, you go home, you cry. That's what happens. Uh, and I was there for a game where they beat Mexico in Columbus two to zero, and it was the coolest freaking thing. I think I still have um I still have a piece of the bleacher. <laughs> Because there's, there's like a big set of like temporary bleachers on uh, that they set up on the stage. And I was on them, but we were like jumping up and down. We just snapped this one bleacher like in half. Uh, I, so I, I took a part of it as a souvenir. I think it's still in our library somewhere. I actually ran into a couple in uh, Oklahoma City who have a piece of the same bleacher. <laughs> we're talking about this like... Uh, this city that neither of us have ever lived in um, that had this moment that was so important to us that we both took a piece of this same, like, nothing broken painted green board, you know? Um, but I think when uh, they looked to move the crew, there were a lot of people who had thoughts like that. were like, hey, that's important to us, not just uh, the people in Columbus. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that new stadium uh, creates some, some buzz. Because that's one of the things that MLS has dealt with, too, is that, like, in other cities, in other countries, uh, if you want to go and watch your team, you go to the center of your city, right? Like, Matawa doesn't, didn't play, like, in the, like, boonies, like, out in the mountains. They played in the middle of the city, right? Yeah, I, I kind of wish they didn't, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, it, that stadium is old. There's no parking. Yeah not practical for the way the city is now but but yeah i i totally understand what you mean um yeah I, I, even though even though it's funny because i you actually look at most of the teams and except for maybe the english teams and mainly that's because there's no space in in those cities like there's yeah. just no space to build things 
most teams play actually outside of the city. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, uh, to be honest with you, I think, I'm not saying the, 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 the old stadium, you know, Maffrey is necessarily amazing, but the field is a carpet, man. That, that field, they, they keep it beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Their, uh, their groundskeepers are like top notch. Yeah. Like that's one of the things I get, I see posted on uh, MLS the subreddit all the time. Is they're like, well, our team's not great, maybe, and the, it's hard to get people in the stands. But holy cow, look at how nice our field is! And like the Timbers have the exact opposite situation, where it's like, man, we got twenty five thousand people every single time we play a game. The women will pull twenty five thousand people sometimes, right? Not every game, but they're still averaging like nineteen, seventeen thousand people before the pandemic. Like that was the biggest women's soccer crowd in the on the planet at the time, right? Like uh, the English women aren't pulling as much as that. The uh, French women aren't pulling as much as that. The Portland Florence, though, they're a big freaking deal, you know. But the field, the the field is, and you know, it's it's about as good as you can hope for with field turf. But it's still field turf. You know, everyone would prefer uh, grass, but. Which is kind of amazing to me because it rains so much in Portland. Like, how hard would it be to keep up with a natural grass field? Oh, man, that is one of those things that is so contentious. Every time people – like, there are players who would come over to MLS, but they wouldn't play on turf. And so they would never play in Portland. And uh, our owner gets so, so bent out of shape about it, which is great. Because he's like, look, this is the best field turf you could possibly have. Of course, we prefer grass, but we replace this like every two years. And uh, now I think it's literally just the Timbers and the Thorns who play on it. Like it's top notch for what it is, but um, the stadium is built into uh, what used to be just like a gulch, right? And so like there's under the stadium, there is like a creek that goes through there. And so... um, for a long time, the uh, the reason they haven't updated the grass is that um, it wouldn't be possible to keep it up because of the the situation underneath the pitch. Um, at least that's what they tell us. But now that they're not playing, they used to play some college football games there. I don't think they're doing that. Um, and I think that tend to be like the issue. They're like, oh, well, we can't play. Uh, as long as Portland State's playing their football games, we're just there's too much traffic on this uh, surface. Uh, that might change. I know it's one of those things that the owner gets questions about every year, and he's always like, "There's nothing we want to do more than to put grass in there." But um, yeah, we get the rain. Really, I think the problem would be getting the, enough sun <laughs> to, yeah. to, to grow it. That's you want to just not have that. Yeah, that's why you buy those lamps, man. Because it's it's it gets it gets really dark here. Like that's one thing that I still not used to is once November December rolls around, it's dark in Ohio. Oh, for uh, sure. But they put those lamps that I, I just I keep saying one day I'm just gonna when I'm really really feeling sad I'm just gonna like drive all the way there and try to break into the stadium just like under one of them just to get all the vitamin d i need yeah i do that's that's one of the things with uh portland and seattle uh lead the country in uh suicide per capita because we don't get a lot of sun uh and so that you can get like little uv lamps that you can like put out in front of your computer just to like remember what the sun feels like 
Which honestly, that's one of the reasons why when March comes around and the first couple of Timbers games happen, if we get, if it's just, the weather's just fine, like 65 degrees and cloudy, people show up like it's the middle of summer. Like, and they'll show the Portland crowd and everyone's in sunglasses and like tank tops. It's like 60 degrees outside, but like no one has been outside for like three months. Everyone's just dying to see the sun. So as soon as they see it, we're just like, let's do it. Let's get out there. So, Okay, Ben. I this has been pleasant. I absolutely loved having this conversation. But I also yeah, know it's a Sunday, and uh, tomorrow's Monday, yep. and we gotta get back to it. So I, I, you know, wanted to wrap things up a little bit, and I like wrapping up with this one question: Once the pandemic's over, what's in your to-do list for your football list? Oh man! Well, I'm probably making that trip to uh, Houston. Um, one of the things that uh, that we've done in Oklahoma is we like started the like Oklahoma supporting group for the the Timbers. Even designed their logo, the Red River Regiment, um, which is honestly it's mostly like me and Clayton and then like four other dudes. <laughs> you know, like it's not a lot of us, but um, we'll probably head down to one of those games. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them play in person. I uh, honestly I. I'm looking forward to seeing them play in Portland, um, flying back next summer, hopefully, and, and seeing them play. Cause I, uh, I haven't seen them since they um, expanded Providence park and they kind of like that one side of the stadium went from about here to higher than any other part. And so I can't imagine the noise has got to be even louder than it ever has been. I'm so excited for that. But, um, but for now it's just watching, um, watching sad soccer documentaries and watching the the boys when they when they run out but um yeah that's that's what i'm looking forward to for sure awesome and i i hope you get to go punch some waterfalls uh, with your timbers uh, i believe it oh, <laughs> but um, i i really really appreciate it you taking some time i know we had to really look into this <laughs> a little bit but i'm glad we made it work and uh yeah just absolutely loved being able to, to see you. Uh, I'll, I'll share some photos. People, uh, Ben is, uh, you know, repping his, his cars and uh, I'll make sure that I show you guys what they look like. Uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure, Ben, and I really appreciate it. Um, I, I do hope this is over soon so we can get together. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not big, huge enough crew fan to travel to Dallas for a game or, or, or anything like that. But maybe if you happen to find yourself over here to see the new crew stadium, uh, we'll do for real. Yeah. I, I'm going to put that on my list too. I, I want to make it up to that, uh, that new Columbus stadium. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go grab some food and, uh, it's not far from where I live too. So you don't even have to pay for stay. So it works out well. That's what I'm talking about, dude. <laughs> but anyways, uh, this has been a uh, cafe con football with friends. Uh, and I appreciate everybody listening to this until next time. See you folks. Bye.